Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Good morning. He is risen. I am the local synagogue ruler. I'm not really a ruler. I am a person who assists others as they come to the synagogue to worship. My wife and I have a daughter, and our daughter was sick. And it wasn't a normal sickness. It wasn't very long before we saw that our daughter was dying. I had heard that Jesus was in town. So I had heard that he had healed many people. And I chased Jesus down. When I caught up to Jesus, I fell at his feet, and I earnestly pled for him to come and heal my daughter. And I was greatly pleased that Jesus said he would come and heal her. As we were walking toward my home, a woman who had been uh, subject to bleeding for 12 years met Jesus, and she was healed. I was greatly encouraged by seeing this healing right in front of me. And as I watched, some friends of mine came from my house and told me, Jairus, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter has died. Fear and doubt overcame me. And I didn't know what to do. Jesus turned to me and said, don't be afraid. Only believe. I took Jesus at his word, and I pushed the doubts and fears aside, and we headed for my house. When we had arrived at my house, I told my wife we were there, and was a little bit discouraged that there was a great commotion, all the crying and wailing. Jesus didn't seem to be affected by all this. He told them that my daughter was only asleep, that she wasn't dead. And at this, they laughed at him. Jesus put them aside, took me and my wife and three of his disciples in where my daughter lay. And walking over to her, he took my daughter by the hand, and Jesus says, little Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And my little girl stood up. To say I was overjoyed is an understatement. 
And then Jesus said, give her something to eat. And then he told me, don't tell anyone. How could I not tell anyone what Jesus had just done? He had given me back our little girl. If Jesus could heal my daughter, if Jesus could raise her. I'm Mary. Maybe you know my sister Martha or my brother Lazarus. We live not too far from here, actually, over in Bethany. You know, the first time we met Jesus, we knew there was something different about him. He just spoke and taught with such authority, I could listen to him forever. One day, my sister Martha was hosting a big dinner, and that's what I was doing, just sitting at his feet and listening. And then Martha interrupted him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me with all this work? Tell her to come help me. But Jesus just gently said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, and few are important, indeed only one. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. That's why it was so hard when my brother got sick. We called for him right away. We knew he could do it. He's healed many people. We waited, and we waited, and we waited, and then my brother died. And Jesus was nowhere. And I have never felt so alone. And when he finally showed up two days after we buried him, he was still the only person I wanted to see. So I went to him. I couldn't hold it back. I was weeping. And then he wept too. I could tell he felt my pain. I just didn't understand. And then he did the most amazing thing. He went to the tomb, rolled the stone away, and called my brother out and back to life. God is so amazing. He speaks, and it happens. I was so overjoyed. We had my brother back, but I had no way to thank him. And finally, I got a chance. Martha was hosting another dinner. That's kind of her thing, you know. And I brought this pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. It took me a whole year's wages to save for it. And I poured it over my master's feet. And while the fragrance filled the house, I wiped his feet with my hair. Knowing Jesus makes all the difference in my life. My life has purpose and meaning for it. And if he could raise my brother. <clears throat> One day, I was in town, and a huge group of people came. They were being very loud and obnoxious, and it angered me so much. Today was the day I was going to bury my only son. I had already buried my husband, and now this had happened. As I looked at the crowd and looked at them, I saw a man coming close to me, and I noticed that he was the Messiah. And he looked at me, and he said, Woman, don't cry. And at that moment, he touched my dead son's body. And I thought, is this man special enough to do something supernatural? I wavered between hope and sorrow and looked intently at my son. And as I did, I saw his chest raise and he took a breath. How could this be? We were burying him today. And yet he was back. I heard my sweet son's voice. And I have him with me today. 
and if Jesus could raise my son. Oh, what a long week. Oh, my legs are killing me. I cannot believe the pace that we've been keeping this past week. You know, Jesus wants to get to Jerusalem in some mad kind of way. I can't believe it. I, I just, I don't understand why he wants to move so fast. I know it. I've hardly had a time to uh, absorb everything he's been saying and doing. Yeah, it's been crazy. Yeah. But what, what have you been taking note of? I mean, what's on your mind? Are you serious? You make it seem like you're used to everything he's been doing and everything he's been saying. And well, yeah, John, that's not what I'm talking about, though. What specifically? I mean, you seem like you have something on your mind. Well, for starters, Lazarus. That was, that was, I mean, I don't even know where to begin to talk about that one. I know, right? Lazarus was crazy. Lazarus was like, I just, I can't even absorb what Jesus did that day. It, it, it just, it amazed me. I don't know how to sum it up. He just, it was unbelievable. Yeah, well, the thing that really gets me is, you know how we felt about Jesus. He cared, or how we felt about Lazarus. He cared about him. It, 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 it's not like he didn't care. He loved him. And he just let him suffer. And he, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. Remember what he did for Jairus' daughter? He told him, your daughter will be fine. The whole crowd laughed at him. But he took care of her. He brought her back from the dead. Yeah, but Jairus' daughter was different. That, that happened as we came into town. Jesus knew that Lazarus was sick. He knew he was sick, and he waited. He waited for days. So there we sat. You know, it's not like we hadn't been to Lazarus and Mary and Martha's place before. And yet they came and said, Lord, the one you love is sick. And he waited on purpose. We've been with him for three years now, guys. Three years. And just when you start to think you know a guy, he raises him from the dead. From the dead. And he was sick for days. It's not like it was the widow's son. That was fast. Yeah, well, you know, I almost forgot about that. You know, here I'm thinking that, and he raises him from the dead. And I knew there was nothing we could do about it. But Jesus says, I say to you, get up. And he got up. Yeah, but that was still different. It, it, the, when he raised the widow's son, it was on the spot. It wasn't like he knew it was coming. And yet Jesus paused and he waited until Lazarus died. And he knew he died. It was almost like he was trying to prove something. And then the whole thing with, with Martha and Mary and I'm the resurrection. And the, what does that mean? I don't know, but uh, you heard that they're talking about killing him, right? Killing who, Jesus? Uh, that'll never no, happen. Lazarus. Why do they want to kill Lazarus? Well, it's pretty simple. After, he started raised, uh, after Jesus raised him from the dead, he started proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. And now they're going to have to do something to shut him up. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny? John, think about it. Do you think Lazarus is concerned if they try to kill him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if Jesus can raise Lazarus from the dead? Lord God, we come to you this morning. We are thankful to be in your house. Thankful, Lord, to gather together, to be reminded that you have risen and the hope in our life. 
rests on that very idea. Lord, as we listen to your word this morning, I pray that you would guide us. Guide our thoughts. Challenge our hearts. Move us in a powerful way. In your name we pray. Amen. The scripture this morning was, uh, is from John chapter 14. Uh, and as you well know, if, if you've been a part of us, we've been working through the I Am's in John. And in the I Am's where Jesus claims to be the Messiah. And this final I Am is that, that Thursday night, that upper room night when they gathered together and Jesus is giving his farewell speech. He's leaving the disciples with some important information. John 14, 1 through 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how will we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You may be seated. Welcome. If you're new to us, we're, it's great to have you this morning. We're excited. I hope you're excited. I would, uh, I would encourage you. Uh, we have breakfast directly after this in the gym. And I want to encourage you that if you don't know about that, you might be smelling it already, but I want to encourage you to stay in fellowship with us right after service. I do want to make mention, I want to welcome uh, uh, our interim pastor, Victor, and uh, Don Shields are here this morning. Um, I'm excited. I got to tell you, they're our kind of people. <laughs> I, I, and I'll, and I'll, I'll give you a little bit, I'll give you a, uh, just a 10-second story, but it didn't take long. We got in the car last night, and we hadn't made it uh, past Tom Barnett's house, and we were talking about how we move all the snow up here, you know, and I said, yeah, we have a couple John Deere's. I wasn't even, I said, we just got a new one. He's like, what model is it? <laughs> and at that very moment, I knew there are kind of people. They're, it's exciting to have them here. They, uh, they were uh, together, ministered for 20-plus years in pastoral ministry, ministry, and then another 20-plus years as a regional pastor uh, in West Virginia. So they bring a lot, of, uh, a lot of experience, and they felt God's call to be here, and we're excited about that. So if you get a chance to say hi this morning, uh, just remember there's... 200 other people, you'll have to remember, remind them of your name more than once. It's, it's not so hard when you have to remember your name, but when you have to remember everyone else's name, that's a challenge. He is risen. Amen. You know, we've been looking at these I am statements, 
in the Gospel of John. That's been uh, very exciting. And, and just to catch you up, if you're not aware of those I am statements, every time Jesus made these statements, he was making a claim of being the Messiah, of God himself. That was a struggle for the Jewish people. He made that claim that he was that long-awaited Messiah. Now, you need to understand that he was not the first guy to come along and say that he was the Messiah. That happened more than once. There were others who would make that claim. They would rise up. The government would squash them. And they would be forgotten about, never heard from again. When those people died, the threat died along with it. But this time, this time was different. This time was different. This guy was not like the others. And many understood that. He backed up those claims of being God. Remember that he went to Jairus' daughter. When they approached and those people came to him, and they said, don't bother this teacher anymore. Let him go on his way. Your daughter is dead. He didn't listen. He went to that house. And I'm sure Jairus said, if we would only have not stopped for that woman, we might have made it in time. Do you realize that Jesus stepped in at that moment? And the widow of Nain, they were taking her son's body, her only son's body, out through the gate. She'd already lost her husband, and now she lost her son. They were taking him out the gate, and he just happened to run into this guy, Jesus. All hope was gone. But Jesus stepped in. And how about Lazarus? His friend. His friend, Lazarus. Mary and Martha had come begging for him to come and heal their brother. And in the midst of that, Jesus assures them. He says, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And when your close friend tells you it's going to be okay, you hang on those words. It's going to be okay. Somehow it's going to be okay. But Jesus didn't make it. At least not in Mary and Martha's time. He wasn't ten minutes late. He was four days late. You see the anger in Mary and Martha's voice. You can hear that hurt. It's too late. But with Jesus, it's never too late. And Jesus stepped in to their lives. He rolled that stone away. And they, Lazarus walked out. And how about those disciples? Think about spending three plus years intimately connected with Jesus. You and this 
this group of men going from place to place. You know, we, we highlighted a couple resurrections, but scriptures say there are so many more things that are, were not accounted for. So many things that they had seen and experienced. They were there. They were there. They were there at the upper room. They heard him speak. They heard him say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But they were scattered. Like Scripture says, they were scattered like sheep. But Jesus stepped in. And on Sunday morning, they saw him. He came back to life. The question I have for you this morning is, has Jesus stepped into your life? Have you allowed him to step into your life? Or are you stuck at Friday? Just like S.M. Walkridge said, Sunday's coming. I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. That's an awesome little piece of a sermon. Have you allowed Jesus to step into your life? You have that opportunity this morning. If you don't have a relationship with this Jesus that I know, that many people here know, you have that opportunity to allow him to step into your life. And just like all of those people, the widow of Nain, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, the disciples. Their life was turned upside down, never to be the same. They were never the same from that day on. Those sheep that were scattered would all give their life in the name of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus stepped into their life. This morning, you have that same opportunity to allow Jesus to step into your life. We're going to prepare to sing a song. Uh, and there'll be a time of invitation during that song. That's a nice churchy word for an opportunity to meet my Jesus. We're going to stand and we're going to sing and there'll be an opportunity for you to come forward to ask for prayer to pray, to seek out my Jesus. Because I need to tell you that Jesus wants to step into your life. Let's stand as we sing 169.